0: So before you head out on a road trip, I'm assuming or I'm hoping that you go look in your vehicle and see that you have a full tank of gas. That would be that would be wise. Maybe you're making plans to get a full tank of gas. Um, You know what? On a long road trip, you'd probably check the oil. I think that's a good thing to do. Long road trip, I would definitely check the tires. Definitely a smart thing to do. And in fact, on a really long road trip, I would actually drop the truck off at the mechanic. Hey, just go ahead and service service the truck up because I want to make sure we're good to go. Well, that's what we do to prepare for a long road trip. And so, well, Jesus, before he began his ministry, he made sure he was prepared for it. Stay with us as we talk about it. All right, praise the Lord, welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study on behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Paul G. Higgins. And all of us here at the Master Souths, we welcome you. Glad that you are tuning in this uh, start of this new year. Got a great group with us here. We got Sister Megan and Sister Maddie, here to start uh, our new series that, that kicked off last week, uh, talking about the events uh, in the life of Jesus. Uh, a lot of great events here to talk about, and a lot of great mysteries to uncover, and great uh, inspiration, and faith building to, to each and every one of us. So, but before we do that, let's go before the Lord in prayer, asking God to have His will and His way. And if you have a prayer request, please email those to prayer at and we'll be sure to lift those up before the Lord on your behalf. So I'd like to ask uh, Sister Megan, if she would, to take us before the Lord in prayer over this Bible study.
1: Thank you, Lord, for letting us gather today uh, over the web. Lord, I pray that you um, give us all the words to serve to your people, and that we be a blessing and a to those who are listening. But Lord, I pray to touch the pastor and sister Christine, help us have a great new year and a open heart to learn all of these new lessons that you have for us. your most wonderful precious name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. All right, so like I said, we're kicking off this series, The Events in the Life of Jesus, and uh, Brother Thomas and Sister Lana Brother Corey did a, uh, did a fantastic job last week uh, talking about uh, when Jesus was 12 years old and he was lost uh, there in the temple, and he was about doing his father's work. So, this next major event, if you will, um, that happened uh, that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the baptism of Jesus. Obviously, a real important event in his life and something that we need to take note of uh, here today. So, let's read it. Matthew three thirteen. Then come with Jesus from Galilee to Jordan uh, unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning, uh, lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, and who I am well pleased Awesome. Great event here. Something that we need to take note of. And really, if we we're going to start diving into this story here, the very first thing that pops into my mind is why did Jesus need to be baptized? You know, So, Sister Maddie, what do you think? Why, why did Jesus need to be baptized?
2: Yeah, I think it comes down to the point of the following, to fulfill all righteousness, and that's why Jesus got baptized. I have to remember that Jesus is fully man. He's the second Adam as it states in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. And by being fully man, he is showing us how and what to fulfill what is right in the sight of God. The first Adam disobeyed God's instructions, as he mentioned in Genesis 3, 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband thereof, and did eat. And he did eat. And you know, the second Adam is obeying God's instructions. And what is right is being baptized. All throughout the New Testament, this baptizing is what is right in God's sight it would be unrighteous to not get baptized.
0: Yeah. I mean, the scripture basically says it straight out, you know, to fulfill all righteousness. That's why Jesus had to get baptized, even though he was fully man and he was fully God, which we'll get into here in a little bit. He was fully man, fully God. He still was following being a man saying, Hey, I need to go down. And that's why he convinced John the Baptist uh, to baptize him. But you know, uh there's a lot of speculation and we're gonna talk about a lot of different beliefs maybe or a, a couple of different beliefs that people have. But in this story, because there's so much um debate in this story, there's so much debate, you know, uh why did Jesus get baptized? Is baptism you know part of salvation and, and so on, even though we just read that it was it's what's right in the sight of God. Um so Sister Megan, uh was what he did just an act of faith or is baptism some sort of requirement or commandment, something like that?
1: Yeah. My first gut reaction would be, yes, water, you know, baptism is an act of faith. We're outwardly showing and manifesting our faith by taking that action to be baptized. Um, That action represents that we're a follower of Jesus and that we believe. But when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus in um, John three, five, he says, um, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So that verse right there shows that being baptized is not just a faith, but a requirement. So it's kind of both. We can go down the rabbit hole of what being born again is, but that's not <laughs> what we're gonna be talking about. But the act of baptism is being reborn of the water, and it's a purification. Just So throughout the Bible, there are numerous references to the fact that baptism is a requirement. Right. Um, one of the more famous ones is Acts 2.38. Like We all could probably quote that one from Sunday school. But um, starting back in verse 37, uh, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So those are the, there are also examples of, when Philip was speaking with the Samaritans, Paul was speaking to the church. It all keeps, every time they talk, what should we do? Did you get baptized? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, so when Paul was speaking to Ephesus, he asked them, so what have you done? Like, what have you been baptized? Were you baptized? Uh, what have you done to be a follower, to commit that to be a follower? So in Acts 19.3, this is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, and that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, they were baptized, but let's go ahead and do it again in Jesus. So with all that being said, though, I still think it's both. Yes, it's a requirement to be a follower, to be with Christ, but we still need to have that faith and to believe and present that outwardly sign of that faith.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, faith, uh, when our faith is in action, the next steps as our faith grows is to, you know what, Lord, I'm going to read your word and I'm going to do what you said in your word. What did you say do? Well, you said to be born again of the water and the spirit. So it's a natural progression. Once faith kicks in, once I start believing that there is a Savior out there and that Savior is Jesus Christ, I'm going to naturally follow down these steps of repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I shouldn't let anything else persuade me otherwise, because that is what the scripture is saying as my faith is drawing me and leading me uh, towards God. There's even uh you know found in um Ephesians 2 28 for by grace we are saved through faith and not of uh of that of ourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast. And this is where you know um some people may take this and say well you know baptism you know even the baptism that Jesus did there uh, that we're reading about oh that's just that's just a work and that's just a thing but you know what's interesting is that When we are baptized, there's no work that I'm doing that uh, means much of anything. And what I mean by that is when I go down in the water, I am not forgiving myself of my sins. I don't have that power. I don't know. There's nobody that has that power. The one that's actually doing the work in this whole baptism thing is Jesus. Because if I was doing the work, then, well, there you go. That that would apply here. I'm boasting that, hey, look what I can do. I can forgive my own sins uh, for myself. But no, it is Jesus that is doing the work during baptism. And, you know, to put it kind of plainly, you know, if Jesus got baptized, I want to get baptized. Really. I mean, let's just say that if Jesus was doing it, I want to do it. You know, and I'm supposed to be like him. I'm supposed to take on the mind of Christ. I'm, I'm supposed to follow after him in everything that he does. I'm supposed to be that light just like he was a light. Well, by golly, if he's getting baptized, I'm getting baptized. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, when we start talking about doctrine, we start talking about, you know, baptism, salvation, you know, is it a requirement, so on and so forth. We talk, start talking about the Godhead and whatnot. Uh, you know, some people will just say, uh, Oh, okay, throw my hands up in the air and say, "Hey, you know what? I'll just let, you know, uh, God worry about that at the end, you know." And, you know, this one says this, this one says that, and so on and so forth. Ah, oh, I'll, I'll just try. I'll just keep my head down, not really care about it, and just kind of do what I want. And, and I actually I think that's one of the worst attitudes to have. Because it's like I'm giving up on the instruction manual that God gave me. I'm saying, well, you know what, Lord, your, your word, this Bible, this holy Bible is not good enough. It can't teach me anything. It, it can't explain anything to me. I'm confused about what salvation is, so on and so forth. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll just wait to the end. Oh, that would be, that's like the scariest thing to wait until the end. You know, I want to know right now you know, I want to make sure my salvation is intact. I want to know right now, not when I'm standing before God at the pearly gates and, and he's, he's judging all my works and whatnot. And, and he asked me, well, how come you didn't do this? I thought, ah, oh, you know, I didn't really know. No, Lord, let me, even right now, take a moment and just evaluate. Don't, don't give up on God's word. Basically, really, at the end of the day is what I'm trying to say. Don't give up on God's word. It's there. He wrote it down for a reason. I can understand it. I can follow it. And as has been spoken about in so many different Bible studies, God's word is where that answer comes from. If I will but acknowledge him. So, well, that's that's a lot on baptism. I know. That's a lot on baptism right out of the gate. But, hey, that's what we're talking about. Jesus, Jesus got baptized in this important event. It's an important event in our lives. And so some other things that happened here which are are pretty amazing, pretty mind-blowing. Uh Sister Maddie, what does that dove or the Holy Ghost shaped like a dove? What is that what do you think it all represents?
2: Yeah, so I think um well, it is the Holy Ghost that took on the shape of a dove. And here are Luke's thoughts on the matter. It states in Luke 3:22, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and the voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son, and thee I am well pleased. But why a dove? We may not be 100% sure why God chose to manifest in the shape of a dove, but we can look back at when doves were used in the scripture and what they represented it. An example is when Noah used a dove to see the waters subside, as it states in Genesis 8.8. Also, he sent forth a dove from him to see the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. You know, I googled what a dove symbolizes and to no surprise, (laughs) it symbolizes peace, freedom, and love. And I couldn't help but think of what an amazing way to show this with a dove. And when I think of a dove, I think of something so like perfectly white um, without any blemishes. And it's crazy to me how God uses things throughout the scripture. But also thinking through, I thought of doves and of course I googled what it means to have doves released at your wedding. And it's stated that the releasing of doves is a beautiful tradition that some may choose to incorporate into their own wedding. Um, with this, traditionally a pair of doves, male and female, are released to symbolize harmony and peace. And it, it just amazed me. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, you had this crazy event happening. And um, and, and just so we know, with a little background here, we don't really know who actually saw this Holy Ghost shaped like a dove thing. Uh, Nor do we actually know who heard uh, the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. We don't know if it was just Jesus that heard this and saw this dove. And, uh, or maybe it was John the Baptist as a kind of like a confirmation, uh, him realizing who he was actually baptizing. Uh, There's another reference to it in, in John in the gospel of John, but uh, of the scene but uh, we really, it, like I said, it doesn't specifically say who heard it, who saw it. Now, with that being said, I was thinking if I saw this, the Holy Ghost shaped like a dove come down and then a voice from heaven saying this, I mean, I would be pretty convinced and pretty, I guess, excited that, oh, my goodness, we got the Messiah right here in front of me. I'm pumped. It's finally happening. And, you know, there's rejoicing. But you don't, we don't really read that as we go on in the scripture. You know, it doesn't, it, the following of Jesus didn't really start taking place until he started doing all these miracles and wonders and signs and things of that nature. But um, so it kind of leads me to believe, just my personal opinion, that maybe not everybody heard or saw this dove uh, coming down. But, you know, what's interesting is, um, I think it said it there in Luke as well, That you read that it took on the shape the holy ghost took on the shape like a dove you know it doesn't maybe necessarily mean that it it was a dove but it but it looked kind of like a dove or shaped and as i was uh, searching a little bit the uh when the holy ghost back in genesis when the holy ghost moved upon the waters um, that word move being translated uh, is hovering and hovering is like like a bird would hover and um so i it doesn't really matter too much but it is the holy ghost that's coming down and whether that's a confirmation whether that's um you know preparing him for what's what's to come either way it's just interesting how in, and and would be amazing to see that that scene yeah. and so um so now another big another big debate here at this scene is we have Jesus in the water. We have the Holy Ghost shaped like a dove coming down, or hovering, flying, you know, whatever. Then we have a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. Oh my goodness. Do we have three distinct quote unquote persons demonstrated here uh, at the baptism of Christ? What do you think, Sister Megan?
1: I would say short answer is No. But this is a Bible study, so I probably have to expound. <laughs> but as it says in John 1.1, 1, 1, we'll go there. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then again, John 17.21, it goes into it further. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Let's unpack that. <laughs> <laughs> so, God's the creator of all things and the father of all things. God is one, He's holy. He is a spirit, manifests himself in the flesh. And just like it says in John 17, you are in me and I am in you. Um, Another way to think of it is that God's the father in creation, the son in redemption, and the Holy Spirit in sanctification. A lot of big words, I know. (laughs) But what a really key thing to understand is that that's the distinction in what God is doing not how he is doing it, and not in like personhood. But like Maddie explained with the dove, when he took the place or manifested the shape of the dove, um, but that was just him doing the act. So there's only one God who manifests himself, reveals, expresses himself at various times in various ways. And the scripture uses the term son when referring to Jesus' humanity, never his divinity. Mm -hmm. Um, Thus, there's that distinction then between the Father and the Son, but that's in terms of humanity. Um, Jesus the Son says he is one with the Father, like we just read, and the Father in in the Father, and the Father is in him. Therefore, there is one God existing simultaneously on earth in the Son, and heaven in the Father. So he's the voice that you hear. Mm -hmm. So, doing all the research... Brother Garrett gave this quote by um, Bernard that really helps just explain it more eloquently (laughs) than I could ever figure out how how to explain it. But he says, with the omnipresence of God in mind, we can understand the baptism of Christ very easily. It was not at all difficult for the spirit of Jesus to speak from heaven and to send a manifestation of his spirit in the form of a dove, even while his human body was in the Jordan River. The voice and the dove do not represent separate persons any more than the voice of God from Sinai indicates that the mountain was a separate intelligent person in the Godhead. So you can be in three different places at once, but it's still the same way, the still manifestation. And an even easier way to think about it is the song, God is God. And I've been thinking about it all day long, trying to figure out what song it is that had it in there. And I finally figured it out when I got here. And one of the verses is, he's God in the Father, he's God in the Son, he's God in the Holy Ghost, he's God all three in one. Mm-hmm. And it, even other verses say, you know, He's when the lightning flashes, when the thunder rolls, he's up in heaven and he's also in my soul. So he's in us. You know, we're in him, so it all coincides together into one.
0: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to explain uh, sometimes, but, but then again, sometimes not. Um, a lot of people have said it, and it's been in such a huge debate for so many years, this scene and, uh, you know, showing all these different things that were happening. They're not people. In my opinion, they're not people, they're not, um, are, are part of a, a personhood. These are manifestations, if you will. And that's really the biggest difference between, between oneness and Trinity. Trinity would say it, there's one God in three persons. In oneness, it's one God and with different manifestations. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I believe that there is, there is one God that's been talked about all throughout the Old Testament. He is still that one God, and there is none like him. There's none beside him because, as you said, God's omnipresent. He's everywhere, so he can be, he can be flying down in, the, in a dove speaking from heaven, and he could be all the way across the world ministering to a heart a, uh, of an individual um, doing, doing some reckless thing. That's the power of God, and that's, that alone is a hard concept to, to wrap my brain around, how he can be everywhere at all, at all times. There is no right side to him. There is no left side to him. He, it's like a circle, if you will. There's no beginning. There's no end to him. So he can see it all from every angle, from every position, at all given times and moments. He will always, he always was, and he will always be. And... That is, uh, that's the God. That's the God I serve. He, he is one. And Jesus is that God. He is God manifested in the flesh. Um, and so, cause that human, not to, to stay on this point here again, even though I need to move on that human, Jesus n- needed to get baptized. Yeah. You know, we get baptized to wash away all sins, Jesus was spotless. He, he was sinless, but he, he did it as an act to fulfill all righteousness. And so with this whole, you know, doctrine debate behind us here, the real point I want to leave you with here that, that kind of spoke to me when I uh, read this event was uh, Jesus is just now starting his ministry. You know, he said a little bit of things uh, there when he was 12 years old. And and Brother Thomas and and them guys, they kind of spoke on that a little bit. But he's getting ready to start his ministry. He's getting ready to go. um, He's going to go fast for 40 days. And then when he comes down, the miracles are going to start happening. and, And then all chaos is going to break loose. And like I said in the beginning, what does he do? He prepares. He takes a moment. And says, you know what? I need to go fulfill this righteousness. I need to go do these things. That's what he did. Before the healing started, before the preaching started, he was preparing himself for the journey. Just as I was talking about, the, the road journey that we prepare for, we prepare our vehicle All this kinds of stuff, He's preparing his vessel for this journey, taking that time. And Lord, I want to do the same. I want to acknowledge you in everything that I do before I step foot, before I step foot into 2023. You know, I'm thankful that we had a, um, we had a, uh, January 1st landed on a Sunday and we had service. Lord, I, cause I want to acknowledge you before I begin this year, even though I just, I know it's another year, it's just another day. But Lord, as I begin this new season of time, Lord, I want to go prepare my heart, prepare my mind, make sure my my, my, um, my breastplate is all cinched on, ready to go. Make sure my feet are shod. They're ready to go. Make sure my heart is right. Make sure I'm in tune with you. And in tune with you by reading your word, by getting in tune with you and knowing where you're going. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was preparing. And Lord, help me prepare on whatever journey I'm on, whatever step I'm taking, oh God. Let me take a moment and prepare before I just leap Out there and because you know Jesus could have done it right I mean he is he is God manifested in the flesh he could have just boom went out there and started healing people but no he took the time to do this and I think it was to show us an example of what it's like to prepare our hearts our minds our souls and to be ready change in the world begins with a vessel prepared and ready Jesus changed the world and he got ready to change the world And Lord, I want to do the same. I want to make sure my heart is ready. So we hope that something has been said today has been a blessing to you, has been an encouragement to you, has given you some hope. And uh, on behalf of our senior pastor, again, uh, Reverend Paul G. Kingins, we thank you for tuning in. And so at this time, I'd like to ask uh, Sister Maddie, if she would, to dismiss us now with a word of prayer.
2: Dear Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for always keeping us in your hand and being so close when we always need you. Lord, let us take heed to these words that were spoken today. And thank you for being that perfect example for us, Lord. Lord, touch the pastor and sister Christy, Lord, and help everybody's needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen and amen. Good night and God bless.